Just so you know, Josh, I'm opening the show with Super Freak Love because... Oh, that was a jam. That was my jam. I'm surprised it's not your intro to your show. <sighs> I, I just didn't milk it that much, you know, when I when I say that I was in Primer 55. But uh, yeah, I, I, there's that was one of my all, all-time favorites to play live. So yeah, I love some Super Freak Love. And if you are one of those fuckers who jumps when I get loose, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Dan. That is Joe. That is Jeff. And that is Joshua Toomey. The legendary Joshua Toomey. Legendary bass player, podcaster extraordinaire. The third. Esquire. The third, yes. What's up, gentlemen? How are we tonight? We're good. Good. I got my beer. I got all my yard work done. We're we're killing it. We're celebrating New Metal May in honor of the Roach Coach podcast. There we go. Good, Good guys over there at the Roach Coach podcast. Absolutely. Yep. And I can only assume that since Josh is here... We're talking about Sunday day real estate. Yes, <laughs> you know I predicted that before we before we went on. I told Jeff I was like at some point Toomey's going to ask me and Joe to leave the room, and then it's just going to be two hours of them talking about Sunday day real estate. Perfectly fine with that. There's a Nintendo right. in the other room. I mean, I'm good on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can play Turtles in Time. So Primer Fifty Five, new metal at its new metalist. <laughs> New metal as fuck, I think it was described as on the Roach Coach podcast. Well, I guess not new metal, not new metal enough for the Roach Coach podcast because none of that first album made it into the canon, which I highly disagree with. It was they, they said it was too new metal. It is the first oh. of two times I have now heard the Roach Coach guys criticize something for being too new metal. They said it was <laughs> new metal to a fault. How can it be new metal to a fault? It's the definition of new metal. It is. It's like when they did the Third Strike album. That was also, you know, don't bring it up. We're still having a fight. One of those generic. <laughs> yeah, Joe's not. Joe's not talking to the Roach Coach guys currently because of that. I don't know why though. At least a couple of those songs made it into the canon. Yeah, I, I feel like you know I've at least represented somewhat of the new metal greatness that is Third Strike. Well, we'll get to that next week. Spoiler. So when was the first time any of you guys? This is open floor heard primer 55 or was introduced to the band 1057 the point year 2001 watch these fuckers jump as i get loose they played that on the point yes heavily censored but it was on the point got it yeah it was about the same time for me too it was the same thing kpnt the point here in st louis what about you dan well shit that's what i got uh, i heard them <laughs> on the point as well but i don't think they played loose i think they played hate and they played it really late in they played it really late at night. It was during one of their, like, they had this weird, like, deep cuts show for a while where they would play songs. That was the first time I heard Mudvayne's Pharmacopia. Oh, yeah. When, uh, Les Aaron on Sunday nights. Yeah, yeah. When they yeah. played the good okay. shit that they wouldn't play the, during the week. The Australian yep. or New Zealand guy. Yeah. I don't remember where I thought he, he was British. from. But no, or whatever. This is years ago. I don't, it's, I, yeah. He's still prominent, <laughs> just not in St. Louis. Yeah. My introduction to uh, my introduction to Mayhem was uh, I <laughs> I had a previous band called uh, Twelve Volt Negative Earth out of Nashville, and we had put out our second album EP, and we our van had broken down, so we weren't able to properly tour. So I got the harebrained idea to follow Corn and sell CDs in the parking lot prior to the show. And so myself and my drummer went along, and this was the Corn uh, Sick and Twisted tour, and Stained was out with them. And so we get to, we did a few shows, and we actually did really well in, in CD sales. It was really odd. We were just walking up and down with uh, Discmans and having people check out the album and selling it for five bucks a piece. And a lot of people ended up buying it without even listening to it. I think people were just more apt to buy music then. So we, uh, so Corn had a day off, but Stain was supposed to play in Louisville, and uh, young up and coming Primer Fifty Five was the opening band for Stain on this tour or for this show, and Stain ended up canceling, but we ended up going to the show anyway, and so I basically saw Primer headline in Louisville, and um, I, I fell in love with the band, and uh, ended up talking to. The guitarist Bobby Burns and uh, Jason after the show for a little while, and just and I really hit it off with them. And um, you know, I really that's kind of my introduction to the band. Love seeing them live, and then uh, you know, kind of kept in touch with them through the years. So you think that energy that they had on Introduction to Mayhem was translated pretty well live? Because I would imagine that oh, yeah. that may have seemed like 
it had a, had to have been a pretty intense live experience just hearing him play some of those songs with full energy just dudes moving across the stage and i mean i can only imagine some of the songs on that record were very um created just basically for the pits yeah there were definitely a lot of uh a lot of pit stokers pit activators on that and um yeah it was fun it was it was just a such a fun vibe and they they had at one point brought basically the entire crowd onto the stage and like everyone was freaking out that the 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 show was great and um i've talked about this in the past but you know i i had opened for uh limp biscuit at one point and met fred durst and fred had kind of like this air about him like an it factor air about him and when i met bobby burns he kind of had that same like it factor air air about him and i was like man if i ever get a chance to play in a band with that guy i'm definitely going to jump on it so uh so yeah he, he definitely you know has an aura about him that uh you know so if you're going to be successful follow that guy kind of that kind of thing yeah and he went out he went on to be in soulfly for a little while yeah he did like four albums with yeah him. yeah well yeah it's funny because you, when you're reading about this stuff, it's just like, oh, he was in, then he was out. But then, you know, if you're thinking about the years, you know. It was like six, seven years. Yeah. Right. It didn't end well, but yeah, it was one of those, uh, <laughs> you know, one of those deals. And no comment. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> Before we start talking about things that end well, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at DiscussMetal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell us all about five star reviews we love five star reviews here on discography discussion if you feel like we deserve a review give us one you can give us a review on facebook or on apple podcasts or on stitcher i think you can do stitcher too absolutely one guy did but uh <laughs> that was a while back but uh yeah so we we love reviews reviews really help us show up in like search results and stuff if you search for metal podcast i've actually noticed on apple podcast that a lot of a lot of the podcasts that we feature on the show and you know we've been on some of their shows and stuff i know if you type in roach coach you can go down and recommend it if you like we're on there you can type in talk to me uh podcast and we show up in the recommended as you like so we we wear that as a badge of pride and uh so it's really cool just kind of seeing how all the podcasts are together and you guys as listeners and how you guys tag things and like things and stuff um all that data, you know, helps helps us get out to more people. So that's the only reason we ask for reviews. We don't get paid for getting a good review, uh, but it, it really does help us out a lot. And now Josh is going to tell us about the legendary Talk To Me podcast. Ooh, Talk To Me podcast. Um, you know, great metal podcast hosted by myself. Um, if you're into all things metal, head over to Talk To Me. You can head over to metalnexus.net slash talk dash to me the archives of the talk to me podcast and and uh lately man the the guests have been great you know max cavalera sat down with him for a while heidi from the butcher babies was on rob flynn phil anselmo all the all the uh heavy metal titans have been on this year so it's been a great time and yeah coming up on three years of doing it and yeah check it out talk to me podcast t-o-o-m-e-y if you get to the one about uh what language therapy or <laughs> that's not the right one death therapy no, not death therapy. Not death therapy either. <laughs> yeah. Speech pathology. Pe- yeah, speech pathology. There you go. That sounds. <laughs> I still wonder if that lady know like knows of me. I mean, she has to because right. we use a lot of the same ha- you know the same hashtag. How many times do you think they sent? She sent people to that podcast, and they got yours instead, but just stuck with you anyway. <laughs> I don't know. That's that would be funny. I'm actually kind of waiting for her to say something because. You know, obviously a name like Talk to Me, I never even thought to Google search it, and it looks like she's been using that phrase. For like a year longer so if she ever comes up and says hey you know <laughs> i want my phrase back i'll be like oh all right no, that's when you say show me the copyright info <laughs> and i'll show you the t-shirt <laughs> there you go <laughs> send her a, send her a free <laughs> pentagram tea <laughs> right that was, yeah i'm sure she loves that there's also a um there's a there's two more versions of it there's the senator in like pennsylvania his last name is to me and during his campaign he was using hashtag talk, hashtag talk to me and then there's also a real estate agent in Chicago that his last his name is Dennis Toomey, and he um, for some reason hashtags talk to me 
on his real estate post. So yeah, that's it's not as original as I thought. It's getting crowded. <laughs> I know. I have to start flexing my muscles. There you go. And reaping the benefits. Be like, I'm sorry. Did you have West Borland on your podcast? I didn't think so. <laughs> right. <laughs> did you talk to West Borland for two hours and then get called out by Aaron Lewis on stage? No, you didn't. No, you did not. <laughs> sorry, that whole situation is just hilarious to me i i was i watched that clip and all i could think was just say have you heard the talk to me podcast (laughs) (laughs) you fuck uh uh, fist from metal nexus pointed out when he goes have you heard the podcast you can hear a couple of people say yes (laughs) so i thought that was kind of cool that is cool so dan tell me about primer 55 well primer 55 is a primer 55 was a (laughs) Uh, a hard rock new metal band. Let's just go new metal. I'll throw the hard rock out. The new release, notwithstanding, but uh, yeah, they they were a band from they were from Louisville, weren't they? Originally, um, yeah, it's kind of convoluted. They were from Bobby was from Louisville, and then Bobby Burns moved to Memphis, and that's where Jason Latrell was from. And the rest of the guys of the original Primer were basically formed out of Memphis. And then after they got signed, Bobby moved the band back to Louisville. So, you know, technically, um, when I had Bobby on the podcast a long time ago, I always said that that was kind of a a downfall of Primers. They truly never had a home uh, because they kind of came back to Louisville as a signed band. So so they didn't have that built-in local, uh, you know, the the guys follow it. Yeah, the grassroots, the guys following the band and being proud of them for being from from town. So, so the Primer Fifty Five has always been the redheaded stepchild to flaw in Louisville. <laughs> Shots fired! Wow. No, well, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Resident flaw fan in the room. Not as much as I am of Primer Fifty Five. Well, I mean, you know, not to keep bringing up Roach Coach, but yeah, they put Flaw's entire album in the canon, mm-hmm. and they don't, they didn't put this one in. And they didn't put the first Corn album in. I know. So Flaw is new metal. Corn, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the originators of new metal, depending on who you believe. Well, exactly. These guys definitely were not innovators, um, but that doesn't mean that they didn't take a lot of elements from bands that were successful and meld them together into something that I thought was pretty enjoyable on that first record. Um, I would say that the. Vocals are predominantly rapped by vocalist mm-hmm. Jason or Jason, however you want to, <laughs> however you want to do that right. one, and uh, lot lots of raps, lots of screams, not very much clean singing. Uh, it was really just about aggression, about balls on that record, and uh, there's a lot of balls. <laughs> <laughs> there's Huge balls all over balls. this record. <laughs> This really is the only album that anyone knows when you bring up the band Primer 55. Some people have heard of the new release, the EP snuck in here and there, but when you mention Primer 55, the majority of people that I've talked to, it's, oh yeah, Introduction to Mayhem, that cover with the cartoon chick punching the other in the face. I'm into that. I was like, well, clearly you weren't into that that very much. The the first album definitely had the, the best album cover that the uh you know the 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 two chicks fighting and you know it's all artsy and stuff and the anime kind of kind of thing going on there but i love the first album cover yeah this record uh i think most people when they think of primer 55 the first song that comes to mind is pretty is loose yeah um Mm -hmm. that was kind of their biggest uh hit off of this cd and i guess i guess with primer the question i have is i can't figure out why you know why they didn't achieve more success than they did on this record and we'll talk about it on the new release as well but like really this record had all of the ingredients to be a successful yeah. new record and i don't know if it was oversaturation at that point or you know if because uh, i mean I, this was too early for people to be moving on to heavier stuff this was uh i don't know man i think this was i think this definitely came out in the oversaturation period of new metal um you know, the, you know, this came out in, what, 2000? So it's just like, it, it was like right there at the, the pinnacle. I mean, obviously, a couple of years later is when it really, truly died off. But, um, you know, this is definitely getting to that point where, you know, there were tons of new metal bands getting signed all over the place. And, and you know, I'm sure that's one of the reasons that Primer even got signed is because every label was kind of looking for their 
their new metal band, you know? They're looking for their Limp Bizkit or, you right. know, mm-hmm. their corn. Well, his vocals are awesome. I, I actually really enjoy listening to him. The, I, 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 vocalists are a big thing for me, so I think his screams are fantastic, and his rhythm when he's he's rapping is, is really, really good, too. I, I You love vocals, but you don't like the lyrics. Yeah, I could give a shit what the <laughs> hell he's saying. <laughs> As long as he sounds good while doing it. Well, if you stream the album on Google Music, you can't hear everything he's saying because you can only hear the censored version of this record on on uh, Google Play Music. Yeah, I think, Jeff, you were saying on Spotify that you have the uncensored. Yeah, so. there's both versions. There's the edited and unedited on uh, on Spotify. I did dig so out my I, CD, which was scratched all the shit. <laughs> it's funny you brought up the censored version thing because when I uh, when I first audition for primer uh i had a question about a song and i had bought the cd at like a used record store and i played it for bobby and i was like what what's going on right here or something and he was like is this the edited version he was like you have the clean version of the album so i guess when i learned the primer 55 songs i learned it off of the clean album i made that mistake back in the 90s because i bought a couple albums from walmart and they, mm-hmm. they just edited everything and just didn't tell you. So I was yeah. like, what the hell? Like the first time, like I, back then I, I liked uh, 311. I love grassroots. And I, and I said that earlier, but that was, uh, that was a big album for me in the uh, mid nineties. And I bought it at Walmart and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then I'm like, wait a sec. This doesn't sound like my friends. And it's cause it was all <laughs> right. edited to fuck. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And I, I went to return it and they wouldn't take it back. And I'm like, well, where does it say that you edited it? And they're like, we edit every CD. There, if there's sell. no parental advisory on it and there should be. Yeah. That's, that's well, the, I didn't, the I didn't know. I didn't know. I was, I was a dumb teenager. I had no clue. Cause like my first Mudvayne album, LD 50 was censored and I didn't know. I distinctly recall buying green days dookie at Walmart. Half of my Metallica collection came from Walmart. Of course they don't curse on the album. Except for uh, the new ones. Uh, <laughs> sorry, no, Dan. I mean, the new- them all had- No, it didn't. I've got it. Well, at least it wasn't censored. So I missed the boat when Walmart started censoring because I started buying my records at Virgin and Best Buy and Sam Goody. Sam Goody, yay. I, f- I feel like my there was cursing on Kill Em All. Ride the Lightning. I don't think there are. Ride the no, Lightning. I don't think there is, man. None of the early Metallica records have cursing on them. It's just no. Uh, so Master of Puppets what? definitely does with Damage Incorporated and uh, Justice for All on Dire's Eve. He's a genius, hey, dude. I I, I grew I'm up. Not gonna argue. You're correct. Apparently, apparently Walmart didn't know what yeah, they had. Well, if a record <laughs> if a record has less than a certain amount of curse words on it, it will not get a parental advisory. And I don't even know if any of those rules are still in place. But in the '90s, does that mean that Metallica is the only band greater? And more powerful than Walmart. Well, and some of them just didn't give a shit. Like uh, my Glassjaw, everything you ever wanted to know about Silence record doesn't have a parental advisory on it. And he, that dude says fuck at least 150 times on that record. And uh, but he doesn't. They didn't print it in the lyric book, so I don't know if like some of these music censors were just like, eh, it's not in the book, so it's probably okay. Because the first Stone Sour record has. A little bit of cursing on it, and it's there was no advisory sticker on that either. So what you're telling me is that it was some lazy asshole that just opened it up, read the liner notes, and never even listened to it. Yes. <laughs> so if you Probably. didn't print the lyrics, you were all right. Well, as being a kid with religious parents, I was thankful for that because uh, <laughs> I got to hear uncensored stuff that I normally wouldn't because that, that was the thing back in my early days was I would have to get a CD, hand it to my parents, they had to read through the lyrics and then decide whether or not I would keep it or I could keep it or not. So the speaking of all the censor stuff, I thought this was actually funny. I was listening to a little bit of this the other day on um, Spotify and the version of Set It Off that was on Spotify, I had never heard before. It was it was completely censored, but it was like a re uh, redone version of Set It Off which I had heard about, but I'd never actually heard. And to where like uh, Ja Red from Head P.E.'s rap is completely different. It's, it's all clean. Um, the the chorus is a little bit different. It's got some like, you know, wave your hands in the air, like you just don't care kind of stuff going on. And I walked away going, oh, that was actually a lot, like a lot better than what I remembered it being. But uh, yeah, that was actually a much better version of Set It Off than I had actually originally heard. The turntable stuff that's that's sampled in and out of here I, I guess that's 
Is that just done like on a, on a loop whenever you guys are playing live or? They, we just never played. They just never use that stuff. Oh, okay. Like the live band was always, always just a raw, you know, four-piece band. Gotcha. See, I would be disappointed if I went and didn't at least get the drum machine, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> some of that stuff was hard for the drummers to pull off because it was like such such drum machine, but some of it was like happy accident, mistake drum machines. So trying to get a, uh, a uh, real drummer to play some of that stuff was always kind of hard. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating to be so robotic, you know, but also it just be kind of there's an uncanny valley to, to <laughs> a drum machine that whenever a real drummer hears it, it just kind of almost goes a, goes against everything that they're about. Because a lot of the mm-hmm. drummers, especially in new metal, were just definitely more about the feel of everything. Um, and uh, yeah, with, with the drum machines and samples and stuff that had to be really hard to keep up with. But uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, no, this record, this record I loved. Um, one of the things that I that I took away a lot because I was a big Primer fan. I really loved, uh, I really loved this record, and I loved uh, Head PE a lot at the time. For some reason, mm-hmm. I didn't like Limp Biscuit, which you know, looking back on it, I think a lot of that had to do with there was no way I was passing a Limp Biscuit album past my parents. <laughs> there just there was right. no way, you know. So if you can't beat them, you just act like you know. Oh, I didn't. I don't really like that band anyway, you know. Uh, the sort of stuff that you say to keep your parents off your back and then you're smuggling corn records. Um, this kid named Chris at my school used to... My very first copy of Introduction to Mayhem was actually he dubbed his CD copy to a tape for me. And I think we wrote... We put on the label like Gospel Hits Volume 4 or something. <laughs> nice. And, uh, yeah. Please tell me you still have that. Uh, I don't know. I have to look. <laughs> it's probably still at my parents' house if I do. But yeah, we I used to do that a lot. Like the first corn album was... Uh, the first corn album was Sandy Patty. Uh, the <laughs> I want to say I had a copy of Three Dollar Bill, but it was on a really bad tape because like my friend would just bring me these blank tapes that had been taped over like a million times. So like as far as sound quality goes, I'm sure it was pretty substandard. But I had a really bad version of Three Dollar Bill, the corn self title. Uh, I had Stained uh, <laughs> Tormented, the the, yeah. the first the Tormented album that they did. And uh, all, and I would always just like put like contemporary Christian artist names as the uh, <laughs> as the labels. I'm glad I didn't have to worry about that, dude. I, I wouldn't have figured that out. I was too fucking high to, to know. When my to dad do. found, like, my dad just started popping my tapes in one day. <laughs> and <laughs> explain these lyrics, son. Oh my god, yeah. If you could even understand what. But they I mean, said. that's why I'm so like lyrics, 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 because I I got defensive and would pay only attention to that you know like that i had to be able i had to be able to read it understand it and be able to justify it (laughs) to someone else see i got so good at just bullshitting to my mom because my mom and i would like road trip to colorado from st louis that's a thousand mile drive essentially in one direction and she'd like pick my brain on every single song that i'd want to play because we'd play like an album of hers album of mine and i just got I just started bullshitting. So I, and I think that's probably the reason why I don't pay attention to the lyrics because I like I don't want to know what the hell they're saying because at the time I just wanted to say whatever is coming into my brain so my my mom would just leave me the fuck alone so I could listen to my music. Well, and this record was definitely a conservative parents nightmare <laughs> as far as <laughs> as far as lyrics go. Hip hop, um, heavy metal. You mean you couldn't get the uh, the big fuck you past your parents? No, not so much. <laughs> Yeah. That's a misprint, Mom. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. It says that. There, there were times I would sell bands. I'd be like, oh, my God, it says that? I haven't even listened to that. Oh, my God, Mom, <laughs> thank you so much for finding that before I did. Who knows who I would have gone out and killed and raped if I'd have heard that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Wow, dude. Jesus for forgiveness tonight. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, this record, though. I mean, I, I loved this. And I loved Head PE. I, I thought that these two bands were similar enough um it's kind of hard to to like head pe and not at least appreciate primer 55 and uh yeah i mean i thought i thought this was really cool um i wasn't as much of an asshole as far as like well i mean are these guys for real because i'm like i'm sure he doesn't beat asses and fuck and do all this stuff in real life even i don't know i'm just talking out of my ass so like Stuff like that. So when I'm listening to it in 2018, I'm like, huh, I wonder how much of this is real and how much, like, he wanted it to be real. But uh, I don't know the guy personally, so I can't say. But um, I think uh, 
it, it, very interesting upbringing uh, Jason must have had uh, to come up with some of this stuff. And not, not only that, that, I'm assuming he wrote all the lyrics, and I don't know the I don't know if that's true or not. If, if my memory serves me correct, I think in talking to him, I believe he did. Um, I know that Bobby, you know, this was kind of Bobby's band, and uh, so Bobby had a huge hand in all of this. So I think he might have, Jason, no, don't quote me, but I believe Jason wrote the lyrics, but Bobby probably, you know, uh, uh, kind of went through them and, and helped, you know, uh, worked them up a little bit. Got a seal of approval. Well, I mean, that's that's right? normal. That's normal collaboration, though. You know, there's a lot of stuff I... I've tried getting past Joe over the years and him being like, no, 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 we got to redo that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, It's okay to rhyme, Dan. <laughs> it's okay to sing sometimes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, this record was, but I mean, I, it, despite whether it was real or not real or, you know, or whatever, if it was all tough guy stuff or whatever, it definitely sounded good for the time. And, uh, and I, I, I've got nothing but fuzzy memories of this record. I think listening to it now in 2018, there were parts of it that kind of came across as lame, but there were songs like Hate, which was the first song I ever heard by Primer, and uh, I and I still love that song. I was jamming that on the way down, and um, I just like the emotional buildup. It's got a weird, funky, you know, uh, intro to it, and it just builds. It's it's a, it's a very intense, emotional song, but you hear the first three, four seconds of it, and you just you don't realize that that's where it's going. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I always thought that that was really cool. I, I definitely liked the more like funky aspects of the band because I was really into stuff like Incubus, uh, like the early mm-hmm. Incubus stuff, which was more of like a funk metal hybrid, you know. And uh, there's a little bit of that here too. And um, it definitely they, they definitely borrowed the best parts. I think of like Limp Bizkit, uh, Incubus, you know, Three Eleven, Three Eleven, some corn in there with with the riffage, you know. And it, it definitely all it definitely all sounded good. And like I said, I'm I'm surprised. After, after talking to you, Josh, and talking to people about Primer and realizing that they weren't as big of a band as I had, as what my perception was, you know, because right. I, I, you hear them on the radio, you assume that they're just as big as Limp Bizkit or they're just as big as Corn or Slipknot or whoever, you know, and, you know, you, you realize that, oh, no, wow, <laughs> if there was an opportunity for a band to get the short end of the stick, it was always them, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that had a little bit to do with the revolving door lineup. I mean, even you know this first album, Introduction to Mayhem. Um, you know, it's basically Bobby playing guitar and bass, Jason singing, and then uh, you know drum machines and stuff like that. So I mean, it was never truly like a, you know, this wasn't four dudes that grew up together and started playing in their in their mom's garage together and all that stuff. It was, you know, this was kind of the brainchild of Bobby and Jason, and then you know they kind of had a revolving door of bass and bass and drums there for a long time. What were your favorite songs to play? I was actually looking at it earlier. The, you know, like I said, Super Freak Love was was probably always one of my favorites. And then, you know, there, Loose was always good. Introduction to Mayhem, The Big Fuck You, Set It Off. I always loved playing Set It Off. Uh, the last, the, some of the last tours we did when I was in the band in, in like 07, 08, you know, we were pulling out like Stain and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, like. This this album is a lot of fun to play just all around, but yeah, some of those mainstays, the big fuck you introduction to mayhem, set it off and super freak love. You can't you can't really go go wrong real wrong playing these these songs. And though the one thing about you know the kind of revolving door lineup of the band is this is kind of where I came into the band because they lost their drummer and bass player on this run and uh and it came up on the prp back in the day when i was you know uh, even just just an avid reader of the prp and uh i had had a relationship with the guy that runs that website back in the day and i uh, i emailed him i'm like hey you know can i get an email or a phone number or something and uh, he gave me the gave me bobby's email address and i ended up going up and auditioning uh between introduction to mayhem and the new release and I actually was helping them audition drummers. I would go up and uh, if they were auditioning drummers, I would go up and play bass with them then. And uh, they ended up going with Kobe, who is, you know, pictured on the second album. Yeah, he's on but, the uh, record, yeah. But again, it's still Bobby playing on the album. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I would I would go up there and do that stuff. And I think in my young and dumb 20, 21-year-old brain, uh, I think they had kind of told me it came down to me and Kobe and I think I called him one day and I like, kind of put my foot down and 
I think I uh, over <laughs> overstepped my bounds because I was like, it's like, well, if you can't give me a, an answer, I'm gonna just go ahead and pull my withdraw my name or something, you know, something uh, out of a movie. And uh, I guess it didn't work. <laughs> they you should have thrown Kobe. some shit out there. Well, yeah. I guess I'll go ahead and call Fred back then. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. I'm gonna go become a podcasting legend. Yeah, you just fuck you, you fuckers. Just wait. just wait. Yeah, <laughs> just wait. In about in about fifteen years, I'm gonna I'm gonna make all this make all. <laughs> I'm gonna be interviewing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! So the new release comes out. Did any of you guys hear this life on the radio when it was released as a single? No, it it definitely got played. I I, I think uh, just because of the proximity, St. Louis. Uh, we got plenty of the bleed over. Well, they're still playing this life on the radio. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is they're <laughs> Dan's about to make a clever quip about new metal in the city of St. Louis. Well, well I mean, I'm it's, done. Yeah. Well, even if he does or doesn't, I mean, it, it is the truth. I mean, we we like our new metal. I mean, it they play what people like, and St. Louis likes new metal, and they always have, and it never went away here, and it probably never will. And I think part of that is. You know, this is kind of a, a beer and music town, so, and sports. Unfortunately, Blues aren't in the playoffs, but. Well, <laughs> I think it was a lot better. Predators than, than won't they, be for much longer either. Yeah, as I say, go Jets. <laughs> I'm glad we'll that they did tomorrow. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't get in and just choke like they always do anyway. Yeah, I know. So, they're like you know. the lovable losers of hockey. Yeah. Except nobody loves them unless they're from St. Louis. Pretty much. Well, it's the same way with the Cardinals and baseball. Yeah, no. Cardinals. All over the place. Cardinals fans are like literally the least sportsman-like baseball fans that you could ever meet. <laughs> Have you ever met a Yankees fan? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, right. no, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think Joe just might have forgotten because I know that it still gets like. There's dance. no way he didn't hear it. Yeah, like. Right. Um, if you were listening to the point, you heard it. I there's guess a lot of lesser-known bands that have been played over the years that 10 years has gone by, and I hear that song, and I'm like, I remember that. What band is this? Oh, I look it up. Hey, this album's really good. This is one of those well, bands. Let's... I definitely heard it, but it didn't reappear until much later. Well, let's get this out of the way now. It doesn't sound like a Primer song um, in comparison right. to everything that was on the previous album. I mean... I recognized the singer. It's one of those like you hear a song and you're like, I, I know this band, but I, I could never place it. And then you know by the end of the song they're like, that was Primer Fifty Five with this life, and I was like, holy shit, they've gone mainstream, and like that didn't bother me, I guess back then. But like, um, no, no, I mean was, at that time, this is just a good fucking song. Well, the what what really stood out to me was the cleans, like the clean singing. Mm -hmm was something that we really didn't associate with Primer at the time. And uh, so yeah, it was so really weird hearing a little bit screams. more, you know, it's like a song about domestic abuse and, you know, murder, because you got to have murder. Um, and it was just a really intense, emotional song, which we got a little bit of that on Introduction to Mayhem in the sense that it was, like, mostly just, like, tough guy shit. But yeah, there was there was some, like actual introspective moments on that record and this song kind of brought all that to the forefront and uh so i mean i like the cleans i like the screams and the song just flows really well even if it does have kind of a verse chorus verse i mean that's that's what the that's what the radio stations wanted you know and uh it, i think it worked really well as a single like i said they're still playing it here and uh so it's kind of funny whenever i buy the record you go into the next song and it's just back to being primer again, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Well, my uh, my the first time I heard this live was on a compilation called uh, "Dude, Where's My Skull," <laughs> and it was and it, and it was the the some sort of compilation that Island or something put out. And this is like I was at home in my in my uh, house with the rest of the bandmates that I was playing with at the time. And I put it in and I, I hit play and I heard this live for the first time. And I truly just like my heart dropped because of how I thought this song was amazing. And I was so bummed that I was didn't get it. You know, I was like the culmination of like, all right, I, they're in the studio now. They're they're making a new album. And this was the first chance I got to hear the album that I, I wasn't a part of. And when I first heard this live, I was just like, man, this is so good. And I was that's I was just so bummed that I, did, I didn't get in Primer Fifty Five at the time. 
And how many months later was it that you were on stage playing that song with the band? Um, it looks like a year, actually, because it looks like uh, the album came out in August of 2001, and I, I joined around uh, late 2002. So okay. But then I went, and, like, yeah, I went and saw them a couple of times on this tour. Um, they came through Nashville with, uh, with like Fear Factory, I believe. And you know, once again, went and hung out with them, talked to them again, and then, then uh, yeah, just I, but I just kept in touch with those guys. And you know, when my opportunity came up, you know, I was I was there. Persistence pays off. <laughs> I guess I, I think a lot of this and it even carries over to the podcast. You know, having guests on of people that I met back in the day. But I think it was just also just not being an asshole the entire time, like just being someone you could get along with and uh, you know talk to. And you know, so when I started a podcast, some of those dudes I. Uh, toured with and whatnot i just kind of reached out and said hey you know would you like to do my show and they're like oh yeah Tubi was all right i'll I'll do his podcast when i interviewed bobby about this because it's funny being in the band but you don't really have these these deep conversations you know about certain things and so when i had him on my podcast i got to actually like talk to him talk to him about like you know ideas and and why did you guys why did you do this why did you do that and i you know i think i believe i asked him at the time i was like what was the big departure between the first and second album and he basically said at the time that he you know the oversaturation of new metal they wanted to kind of go in more of a, a rock vein for this album and they were already seeing at the time you know the the, the the new metal thing was already too much and you know gonna gonna die out soon so i think they tried to do an actual you know just full-on rock and roll album well, i think they did a good job i like it more than than the first this is much more yeah. interesting yeah, than Introduction yeah. to Mayhem because it's, in a certain sense, you can say that, that record, when you hear Loose, you've heard everything that you're going to hear after that. Right. You know, um, there's not a lot of surprises on Introduction to Mayhem, but on the, on, uh, <laughs> the new release, you know, I mean, you start off with a track like This Life, which totally sets you up for an experience that you're not going to necessarily have. And, uh, you know, you, you, you go into the second track and it, it sounds more like it's off of Introduction to Mayhem. And then uh-huh. you get to that song about Texas, and you're like, <laughs> what? Um, probably my least favorite song on the record, because I went to Texas, and it was nothing like this. <laughs> and uh, so false Those advertising. Five or, 50 guys, five or 55 guys are liars. They're fucking liars, <laughs> They're full <man>. of shit. <laughs> yeah. John Denver's full of shit, man. Yeah, it was more like I just had to go to business meetings and shit for the whole week. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know... And then you got to No Sleep and you got your ass handed to you. Man, that's a that's a brutal track. I love that. Yeah, No Sleep was good. Yeah. Um, again, lyrics on this record, so much more introspective, though, like I said, except for Texas. Um, but, uh, like, they're, they're so introspective and so much more, like, relatable. I feel like I you want me to change the song. To, yes, I do want you to change <laughs> yes. the song. Uh, All right, tricycle. But, uh, you know, I just, you know... Um, there's just a huge variety of different influences on this record, but like not like Introduction to Mayhem, where it was just other new metal bands were the inspiration. I mean, there there's a lot of like mainstream rock, metal. Uh-huh. There's even some punk in there with some gang vocals and kind of kind of more punk tempos later on. And like this record just kind of goes all over the place, and uh, it's definitely really musically diverse. But I can't help but feel like maybe that was also kind of suicide for the band, like the hardest decision you can make when you're making a record is, you know, do I stick to my guns and just keep unabashedly doing the same thing that I was doing before and hoping it works this time? Or, you know, do I, do I branch out and be diverse? But the problem with that is you, you run into the issue of you have people, a certain demographic that likes one song. And then you've got another demographic that hates you now because you don't sound like you did on your first record. And then you've got another demographic that's like, oh, I really like this super deep cut over here that sounds nothing like anything you did before. And so I think that was really um, that that was that was the dichotomy with this record because there were times where I loved it and there were times that I hated it, all within its runtime. And that's uh, yeah, that's kind of hard to reconcile. It's too much variety. It doesn't. Lat- <laughs> no one latches onto it because by the time you find something you like, they're onto the next thing, and you're wondering where the hell that band went. Well, considering I'm bipolar... Where did these horns come from? Yeah. Right. No, I'm all over the freaking place, and so the so is the album, so it, it works fine for me. But I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> so but, one guy did. Yeah, yeah that's me. I mean, I... But I think... 
I think one of the big things that kind of happened with this album too, and, and you know, we, we talk a lot about Roach Coach, but you know, this album came out August of 2001, a couple months later, September 11th. Yeah. Um, that was another thing that, you know, Bobby kind of, kind of hit on was, you know, they were on, I forget where they were on tour, but they were just basically stuck for like four days, just sitting in a bus and, you know, like Seattle or something because they didn't, because the entire business, you know, the entire music business just stopped and you know all of island def jam based out of new york and they were trying to figure all that stuff out and then i think i think that just kind of you know shelved this album and that you know for the for the most part they kind of shelved the album and you know that's why not a lot of people know about this album just because it kind of came out in that in that september 11th era because it came out you know number one on the billboard you know heat seeker chart number 102 on the billboard 200 it had a decent single you know i think if they you know there was never a video for this life i don't believe there was never like that that proper push for it that i think it could have gotten but uh you know and and this is the time period where i joined the band and on this tour cycle and the, the shows are great i mean we had some some of the biggest shows i've ever played on this tour and um you know, it just kind of all fell apart after that, and the band was already, you know, internally fighting and everything else. So it was, it was good times and bad times. I have to say. Well, I would say on the record itself, I mean, there was a lot of growth. I, I felt, you know, not just the variety. I necessarily think you have to grow musically to have a variety, but um, I thought, I thought Jason's vocals were much more diverse mm-hmm. on this record. Um, I had no idea the dude could actually sing and sing pretty well, for that matter. Um, yeah. that, that kind of, that kind of blew me away. Um, even the rapping, you know, he does a little bit more like the downbeat stuff, like a little bit more relaxed, you know, down tempo stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. whereas on introduction to mayhem, you had that a couple of times, but it was mostly just pure energy, like just spit it out as quick as you can and, you know, and, and move on. So this record definitely, uh, really, really, he had much more diverse palette, I guess, for, uh, for, for different ways of approaching the songs and. And so I, I always respected that. Um, I think that's part of the reason why I like the album is is the range, you know, musically and vocally. Yeah, and there's some of the vocals too in there. Bobby singing too, like pills. That's Bobby singing. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff here and there is Bobby singing too. So added another voice to it. And then they also obviously the hugest part of this album is the drums. It's John Stainier helmet. So that's always a. Uh, that's always a big deal there too when you get the the drummer helmet on your album. Well, no, the drumming was definitely <laughs> above average, especially if you considering the first record. Uh huh. That was that was one of the first things I noticed. I guess Joe's yeah. finally getting to me after all this time, but um, <laughs> I did notice that. And um, I've reached him. You know, I, I think there you go. I think this record really. Um, do you think? Do you think if September 11th hadn't happened, God, that's a huge fucking question. Uh, but if it hadn't happened, like. <laughs> you think this may have been a good breakthrough for the band? I mean, like I said, I think it could have. And I think if, of all things, like if September 11th hadn't happened, would Primer 55 be a big band? Is probably the last question we need to be asking. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, you know, there were, I think that if they would have gone, you know, this life and then maybe, maybe thrown out a, a fun Texas video or something, because every time we, you know, we played Texas every show we played. And, you know, it's, it's one of those songs where everybody starts goofy dancing and, and getting into it. So it was, you know, definitely could have had a, had an impact there. And, you know, some of the other stuff on there too, I think, you know, first couple of songs of this album probably could have been singles. So proper push and, and no September 11th. And, and, uh, but I think the band was also kind of struggling internally too. So, you know, there was all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes in the band too that kind of kind of kept it kept it from uh, getting further along, I guess. Yeah, so let's get into that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, that's uh, not what we're here yeah. for, man. <laughs> that's that's podcasting 101. Don't don't delve too deep. Uh, but yeah, so this record was just very interesting to me, and I actually really enjoyed it more when we did the re-listen this week than I did uh, than I did when it first came out because that was a very volatile time for me, and I wasn't that interested in new metal at the time so i didn't yeah. really appreciate it for what it was at the time but now that i'm so yeah, but i think that's kind of what they were going for if you weren't into new metal at the time you know i think they were trying to they were also not into new metal at the time and they were trying to trying to move on from that too well and i didn't hate it as much as you know maybe some of the other bands that were out around that time that were basically still doing the same thing they were doing in 2001 you know or doing in like 2000 and 
Right. Well, 2000. 2000 and, 2000 of, and zero. I, I'm running out of 2000s, <laughs> but yeah. You know, like 98, 98 through 2001, yeah. you know, uh, bands that really didn't change uh, kind of bothered me. And I think at that time I just was kind of like, I'm going to just start looking for stuff that's heavier because that's, that's the stuff that I liked was the really heavy shit, your, your corns and Slipknot and, uh, you know, Mudvayne and Il Nino and like those heavier bands. Those what we would what I called on the last podcast the next level new metal bands. Right, those were the ones that I kind of stuck with, and then obviously it wasn't a it wasn't a huge jump over to stuff like Meshuga and you know like you know heavier Maybe stuff. Maybe enter in my territory, right? And so, uh, but this record definitely is is unique. It's kind of oddball, and it's uh, kind of weird that this is kind of more or less where they stopped. I mean, at least as far as new output. I mean, Primer was still around all the way through. Like what? 2008 almost technically but like after the tours i did in 02 the band broke up after in 2000 like like december of 2002 and bobby and i ended up doing another band after that with jason from flaw jason Dante flaw and then while we were kind of getting that together is when bobby got the email or phone call about joining soulfly and then that kind of just threw all that <laughs> out the window and uh, Bobby went on to Soulfly and then um, roughly 2007 uh, I got some word that uh, that they were putting out that B-Sides album that uh, was it Family for Life or whatever yeah and yeah and so I, I read yeah, yeah Family for Life <clears throat> and I reached out to Bobby then I was like are, are, are we you know slash you guys touring this or whatever and he was like, he's like, well, I guess you were the last bass player of the band, so uh, let's go tour. Sure. <laughs> you know, hey, sweet, you got a bass player. Uh, Don't have to train him. Yeah, right. And uh, so yeah, that's when we went and toured that. I toured that in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and then, um, and then that's when I left the band to just kind of focus on the family stuff. But yeah, that's you know, I did those. I did the stuff on the new release album, and then I did the stuff on the the family for life, um, you know, B sides album. Well, and on that tour, and I. I could be I think I'm think this is primer. Did Jason not end up leaving the band like mid tour on that? Yeah, he um yeah, we were in uh Chicago and he had moved to like Wisconsin and he was kind of like we were in a van in a trailer and he him and his like wife or whoever she was at the time were kind of coming in and out like like they would go to the show and then they would go back home to Wisconsin and then go to the next show and then go back home to Wisconsin. It was this very odd thing. And then by the time we started to get to part of the country where he couldn't do that anymore, um, I just, I, I honestly, I, don't, I, I can't remember if he didn't show up or, or was told not to come back or whatnot. And we took a couple of days off and, and got a, uh, a replacement singer, which was a complete disaster. And then, uh, and then that's when the DRP, Donnie uh, Polinski, joined the band right after that. And I ended up actually getting Donnie in the band. And then I think we played one show together. And then, then I left the band. So it's um, <laughs> kind of funny. Look, Later, I was looking yeah. through some emails. I was looking through some emails the other day, and uh, and I, I found the, you know, where Donnie originally sent me emails saying who he was and sent me his, you know, because uh, I guess we were sending out songs and having people record their vocals and send it back. And Donnie and I had Donnie's original like uh, Primer Fifty Five tryout demos, and uh, I thought he was really good, man. I like Donnie. I like Donnie a lot. He's doing a lot of stuff right now with his Force Five records and doing solo stuff. But, but yeah, Donnie's a good dude. Yeah, it's got to be kind of hard just going to like, yeah, our singer's gone. Here's this, here's this other guy, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially that style of music, there was always definitely a huge uh, push, you know, as to, I mean, really in all styles of music, right? Everybody tends to gravitate for the towards the singer for some reason. Um, even though, like, logistically, I mean, the singer almost has the least to do with the actual music. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I think most of the times, you know, that's the one thing you kind of gravitate towards the first, you know, to the first, the, you know, when I listen to Skid Row, I want to hear Sebastian Bach. I don't want to hear anybody else and, True. you know, things like that. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm a big stickler for singers, too. And so even when Jason left the band and, you know, there are press releases and stuff out there where Bobby's like, you know, Toomey and I will continue on and carrying on the torch and all this other stuff. Uh, <laughs> I was bummed back then, you know, when Jason wasn't in the band. And, um, you know, through Facebook over the last few years, 
um, you know, reconnected with Jason and, and have somewhat of an amicable relationship and stuff. So that's good. And I'm glad he, he seems to be in a better place. And he actually sent me some, uh, he sent me some demo stuff. I guess he was working on kind of a heavier project not too long ago and uh, it seemed cool. to be pretty good. Awesome. Well, hopefully that'll be something that shows up at some point. Yeah. You know, um, I know some people just work on music therapeutically. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're going to release it, but yeah, no, that'd be, I definitely, I definitely liked him hearing, hearing him in a heavier project would be interesting. I think. Um, right. But yeah, so I mean, that was, that was pretty much it. I mean, we had what a B sides release after the new release, but, uh, yeah. Short and sweet, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. We made it to. Hey, we made it to an hour. <laughs> Wait until <Yeah>. next week, <laughs> right? We're doing uh, two bands that only have one album each. <laughs> but I will, I will say, and you guys kind of hit on it earlier, and I was kind of going to bring it at the end. But the one thing that, um, you know, for years and years in there, I would tell people that I was in in Primer Fifty Five, and it would kind of like either no one would care or an eye roll or whatnot. But then within the last like couple of years it's it's like people are like oh you're in prime 55 oh my god like it's 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 a whole different uh you know um, reaction when people find out that i've been in the band and then you know you'll see these like uh you know list of the greatest new metal bands and primer is always in that like you know lower tier stuff but they're always they're always mentioned in in the you know, with the head PEs and the and the kitties and all that stuff, it seems like they the, the name is still out there. And and I would love to, you know, for Bobby and Jason to kind of get back together and you know put a band together and go out and do some stuff because I think you know the, the new metal era is kind of coming back around and and a resurgence in people caring about this stuff. And I think that this is this is the time when you know the nostalgia factor of all that stuff kind of comes back around and i think that you know on a, on a make america rock again tour like you know one of those tours with with alien ant farm and you know whatever band i think they would do really well yeah for sure i mean i think that you know yeah clearly now is the time you know um it was i mean the, the resurgence of new metal has been kind of incredible in in the sense that like it was that thing that everybody decided that they hated collectively. And then it was like, well, you know what? I kind of miss songs that I can sing along to. And, uh, yeah. I kind of miss, you know, kind of miss that aggression, that heaviness, you know, like, I feel like, you know, when I got really into death metal and metalcore and stuff, I was very much like new metal's not even heavy. It's just commercial. It's just slightly beefed up radio rock, you know, like, and, <laughs> right. and in some cases that's true, but, uh, I think for the majority of it, I think I've come to appreciate new metal as just a different kind of heavy and mm-hmm. um, just kind of its own. It's kind of unique in that there there weren't a lot of offshoots of new metal. I don't really feel like it ever necessarily morphed into a different style uh, like a right. lot of, like a lot of types of music tend to do. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it just stands unique, and I think people I think people miss that. I think that if I feel like if a band like Primer got together and went on tour right now, they'd be very surprised at the turnouts. Well, I think right. it's because it's well, it's cyclical. I mean, yeah. If you think about it, the people who were listening to new metal are now, you know, in their thirties and forties, mm-hmm. and you know, they're the ones with the buying buying power. They're the ones that have kids now, and they're introducing it to a, a new generation, which is their own kids. So you, you just kind of like how um, well, it was you know five ten years ago, new wave had a big kind of resurgence and there was uh it was a, a bunch of bands that were kind of trying to emulate that that new wave 80s sound you know it, i'm not i won't be surprised if all of a sudden we're going to get you know some new bands that actually have more uh new metal elements you know it, in it just because like i said it's it's cyclical people are gonna see what's selling and they're saying oh well you know primer 55 is selling again you know Corn's still selling, you know, Limp Biscuits back and selling stuff like that. You know, people want to pick up on that and uh, make a couple of bucks on the process. Absolutely. The, um, I lost my train of thought, <laughs> but the, oh, the, um, the, 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 the resurgence of bands like, um, you know, or the new bands coming out with like Dead and, um, the band Kane Hill, you know, the dudes in Kane Hill are wearing Primer 55 t-shirts in their promo photo photos. So I think that's just, 
that's always crazy. And uh, I, actually, when they came through town opening for Devil Driver, I went down and talked to them. And uh, I had a stack of like Primary 55 stickers from 15 years ago. And I took a few of them down and they were all like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And uh, <laughs> nice. it's, 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 it's a completely different um you know, world from, you know, where, when I left the band to, to now. And, um, you know, like I've said, I've said it many times and, uh, you know, I would love to see them try to try to resurrect, you know, primer as Jason and Bobby, cause you know, Bobby had a version of primer up until a couple of years ago. I actually got up and played, uh, loose with them in like 2016 at a, at a show in, uh, right outside Louisville. So, you know, there was, there's, there's been versions of primer running around. So a different and Bobby singer and just, it's basically just Bobby and friends. Yeah. Bobby and friends. And Bobby was actually, I think singing for a long time. They were like a three piece and stuff. So, you know, all in all though, I wish, I, I hope that, you know, Bobby and Jason can, uh, mend the fences and get the, get the band back together kind of thing. I think it would be, it would be fun to go see or, uh, or partake in. Yeah, get another album out so that we can meet our three album rule that we break all the time. <laughs> right? Well, I guess you could have talked about the as seen on TV, you know, demo from prior to right. Introduction of Mayhem, which is which is basically just Introduction of Mayhem recorded differently. I was gonna say, yeah, good luck finding that though. Um, if you're <laughs> I'm sure it's on YouTube Well they actually re released it as the uh, I believe it's called the Big Fuck You. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, I did I listened yeah. to Okay, th so that's what that is. Okay. Yeah, it's like that scene on TV demo demo and some other stuff, but yeah. Interesting. Josh, in a couple of months we're all going to be hanging out again at the Nashville yeah, it's gonna be Rock. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You guys are part Expo. of it this year and you're not just hanging out. Yeah, yeah, we actually decided to go full tilt. But, I mean, I think I think this time last year it was one of those like we could have set up a booth, we could have, but it was just one of those like it was so um it was last minute. Last we, minute, yeah. We didn't realize we, it till it was too late, kind of thing. Yeah. So, right. but this year we, we were all in, uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's really exciting. It's going to be uh, should should be a good time. Uh, we're actually going to bring our own cooler of beer, so we'll uh, we'll we'll actually have nice. some of the good stuff this time. It won't be just a Miller Lite uh, fest or a Paps Blue Ribbon <laughs> fest. Well, I yeah, mean, some PBR. of it will because you're going to have to stay functional for at least six of the eight hours. Well, you don't think well, I've I got can. To, uh, I'm definitely not going to partake as early as I did last time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still have, uh, I think, three interviews I did after a certain point to where there's like no way I'll ever, I'll ever release those. <laughs> like they're just completely just slurring and sloshing and and just sharing my words and stuff. It's it's terrible. Well, but, come uh, on. I do but yeah, that I think. It has been. An, I don't know if it, how how much has been announced yet. So I'll give you some breaking news here on this one. But uh, I will be moderating the head panel. So Brian Head Welch of Corn will be up doing uh, uh, a a panel, and I will be moderating that. So that'll be a lot of fun. Very cool. Fuck yeah, that's very cool. I want to release I mean, this tonight. Yeah. Now. Brian Head Welch, uh, <laughs> Vinnie Vincent, Toby uh, Wright. Toby Wright, which we're actually really excited about. We talked to Toby for a couple of minutes last year. But it was uh, mm -hmm. nothing official, so we'll definitely have to have him. Hey, man, sit down at our booth. It'll be cool. Why is this guy blocking me in? I want to get out. No, no, no. We, we need to talk about a few <laughs> things. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> now, Toby seemed to be cool, man. And actually, when um, when I interviewed him, I didn't have his like discography up, and he pulled up his own discography on on Wikipedia and handed it to me. So we had more to talk about. Very so cool. he was he was definitely a lot of fun. He was cool. Um, and then, uh, you know, just, just all of the, the mainstays of the, the all the podcasters that are going to be there. You guys are going to be there. Hopefully, at least Lauren from uh, Roach Coach will come down with me. Um, you know, a good company with Bowling. Scott Bowling, our good friend, is going to be up there. Uh, you know, the, Cobras and Fire will be the there. Cobra, you know, Cobras and Fire, Dustable Geek, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. You know, the, the, the one podcast is basically funding this whole thing. Right. Rock Thank and Metal guys. Combat Podcast. Which we'll uh, we'll play a promo here in a couple of minutes that we recorded a few weeks ago that it gives all the all the details because for some reason when we recorded that I could not get it down at all. We tried recording it real time. I ended up having to type out everything that I was going to say and then read it off of the <laughs> computer screen. It happens. Yeah, it's not very good at doing scripted stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no radio spots for Dan. No radio spots for me. No, it's, <laughs> I was on the radio, but did never have to. I think all I ever had to do is be like, you're listening to such and such station, you know, and then right. every three hours. Beyond that, I didn't actually even have to really speak that much. <clears throat> Did we ever talk about my uh, my Christian Christian music show I had? 
For, yeah, uh, yeah, for like, yeah. I think we talked about that on the <laughs> on our original episode last year. Okay, was the yeah the Christian. I still think, I can still picture that guy, the guy that came in after me that played the Christian metal. Like this is tourniquet, and he he would be up like waving his arms and freaking out, and that's, yeah, that's some of the first time I ever heard some of that stuff. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really I'm really sad that you didn't dig uh, Reborn by a Living Sacrifice, <laughs> but considering the circumstances, I I, I understand. <laughs> A hundred percent is. Yeah, I'll have to go back and revisit that. It was definitely a. Uh, yeah, I, I was much more of a music, you know, snob back then too. So. Yeah, it <sighs> it definitely uh, it definitely blew me away back in the day. It was uh, now the hammering process. Well, the hammering process is good too, but I mean, yeah, that's, Reborn that's was the one for me. Reborn, it's one of those like you can't like Sepultura. <laughs> <laughs> and Soulfly and stuff, and not at least appreciate what Living Sacrifice was throwing down at that time. Um, but yeah, yeah, there is a lot of similarities there. We're like really trying to cut back on the amount of Christian metal we cover on the show because it's starting to weird people out. But uh, <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. That's Dane's bread and butter. We've so had the uh, oh my god, it is. Well, when uh, when John uh, when John Beatty was like, hey man. He's like, I want to talk about Hope's Fall. You know, you know a lot about them, right? I was like, dude, Hope's Fall is a Dan Terry special. They were a Christian hardcore band that has had a hundred lineup changes that is no longer a Christian hardcore band. Like it is one hundred percent like the yeah. Like they, they they check all the boxes for me. So that's gonna be right. really interesting. So we're gonna do our albums of the week. Yeah, yeah, we do our albums of the week. Uh, he's he's been like gnawing at the bit for Man, this. Man, I can't wait for this one because I'm not gonna do a metal one. I can't help myself. So Josh, what's your album of the week? What have I been listening to? Uh, let's go ahead and go with the uh, the brand new Sevenist album. All I see is war. Uh, I don't know if it's out yet or not, but maybe by the time this is out, it should be out. But man, they're killing it once again. Love those guys. Jeff, what about you? I. Uh, Introducing by DJ Shadow. Introduction to Mayhem by Primer Fifty Five. I'll take it. Right. <laughs> uh, I've been in preparation. I've been listening to the Satellite Years by Hopesful. Never heard of them. Are you kidding me? You fuck. No, I have. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Josh only comes on the show to give me shit. That's literally the. <laughs> that's I thought the, that was a prerequisite. That's the prize. I guess that's the prize at the end of the tunnel. Hey, you'll you'll be the uh, first one in line for my new uh, my new talk to me tea. Just, just to let you know, the uh, tagline is a, a vulgar display of podcast. Nice. <laughs> you know, it's funny as I'll probably get one. <laughs> sleeping Giant, Kingdom Days in an Evil Age. Nice. You know, I just got the first Sleeping Giant album on vinyl. Uh, Dread Champions of the Last Days. Very nice. Yeah. But uh, one of these days, one of these days, and I, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but we've been, we've been tossing it back and forth. We will probably be sitting down and having a re- for real adult discussion about the Pantera albums because people have wanted that. People, I, I've gotten emails saying your Pantera episode was funny and you know all that, but like you know we want to know what you guys are really what you guys really think of it. You know, get, give it the full treatment. Do do the actual album by album, you know, <laughs> recap and all right. that. So that's definitely something that we're gonna. Um, well, that's definitely something we're going to be doing. I just kind of keep pushing it off, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely try to get you for that one. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, be on for greatness. There you go. I <laughs> see. I've I've sold out now. Yeah, as I say, Dan will actually be nice on that one instead of you know doing his fake wrestling bad guy thing. <laughs> I didn't do a very good job. Did, Did you, you just try? say wrestling was fake? What? I said I said fake bad guy thing. And on that note, <laughs> Jeff is going to die. <laughs> He's a heel. Would you like me to say that I love instead? how at the beginning of our show and at the end of our show, everything just completely falls apart. Like, it's such a cold open. Whenever we have guests on that have never been on our show before, they're always like, are these guys ever going to talk about the band? Or <laughs> Are we done yet? Yo, uh, we're is this over? We're definitely done, yeah. <laughs> uh, and on that note, this has that. been episode 65 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion, and please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. 
If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Metalnexus.net slash talk dash to me. In 2017, Decibel Geek brought us Rockin' Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee. This summer, they're doing it again. Rockin' Pod Expo 2 on August 25th. Tell us about it, Dan. We couldn't be more thrilled to be appearing at Rockin' Pod this year. In an effort to help support this amazing event, we are throwing in some perks for you guys to help raise the funds necessary to make this event happen. A $35 donation on behalf of Discography Discussion to the Rockin' Pod Expo gets you a limited edition Discography Discussion hand-painted beer glass and the option to choose what band we talk about in an upcoming episode of the podcast. This also includes your admission to the Expo, access to an exclusive podcast made only for contributors to the event and we can't wait to meet some of you guys there in person we'll be hanging out chatting all day keep in mind on these perks there are only three of them available so act fast and we hope to see you there 